Good morning, church. I'm so glad to be with you all today. Um, I'm very excited to be talking about uh, the church with you guys. I feel very, very passionate about the body of Christ. I love the church. I love the bride of Christ. I've always loved it. So um, we're going to nerd out a little bit with me this morning. So uh, this week, we're talking about... uh, In the Apostles' Creed, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. And I'm going to be honest with you. I never thought critically about that line before I had to teach on it this week. So pray for me, saints. I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. When you're saying, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. It's not just I believe that there is a Holy Catholic Church. It's I believe in it. When you believe in it, in something, you're putting the weight of your convictions behind it. When you believe in something, you expect the best from that thing. You expect the best of that thing. So yes, today we are saying, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. Now, friends, when I say the word Catholic, when we say the word Catholic, we are talking about, yes, there is a Catholic Church, but what we're talking about is uh, the word Catholic means universal. So it, it's, it's an all-inclusive term. It basically is talking about the body of believers that has always existed for all time. So all believers for all periods of time. That's the Holy Catholic Church. Yes, we are still reformed out here. We are <laughs> believing in the Holy Catholic Church. I, uh, if we've learned anything about church, the word church over the past several weeks, uh, we've learned that church is not just where we meet or how we meet or what we do when we meet. It's so much more. And I think I lament that it's, we often lose the sheer beauty of the church. We get distracted by her faults, by her imperfections, and by what the world says about her. And um, I just want us to take some time and dig into really understanding how beautiful and how wondrous the church really is. Jennifer read so beautifully from Ephesians chapter one, but I want us to focus in on verse 18. It says, Paul is writing to um, the, the believers in Ephesus. Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. I hope and I pray that our eyes will be enlightened to understand what a great gift the church actually is. We know that the church is not just a place, it's not an activity, but it's not even something that was created by accident. I think sometimes we can think about the church as just like a supernatural byproduct. Oh yeah, Jesus died, you know, to save people and those people, you know, were jumbled up together from all nations and we become the church. No, the church was intricately designed and crafted by our creator, God. The church is not just um, a group of people that are like-minded. It's more than people who love each other and love God and love, uh, and love others. The church is all of that and more. The church is one of God's most beautiful and intentional creations. It is God's special possession. The church is the blood-bought, Holy Spirit-fueled, treasured possession of God. It is the bride of Christ. 
In Ephesians chapter one, it talks about the people of God being God's glorious inheritance. What does it mean to be the inheritance of God? It means that we are God's portion. God decided at the end of all things, he wanted to save a little something for himself, a little something nice. And you know what it was? It was not riches. It was not jewels. It was not the universe. It was us. It was the bride of Christ. It was the church. We are God's portion. He is what he is looking. We are what he is looking forward to. He loves us so deeply, so lavishly. And the working of God's power in Ephesians chapter one, it talks about um, there, there's an incomparably great power that uh, is available to the church. The working of God's power that established the church is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. The working of God's power that established the church. Now hear me on this. It might be tantamount to the power he exerted in creating the world. Now you might be like, Ann, I'm pushing back on that. You email me. By establishing the church, he established a new world order by incorporating the people of God. It was a new kingdom was rushing in with the establishment of the church. The existence and the life of the church doesn't even merely matter only on an earthly plane. It matters in the heavenlies. The church doesn't just exist on the, it doesn't just matter on the earth for us to do good works on the earth. No, Ephesians chapter two says that the church was created so that the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Y'all, this is not no light thing. The holy Catholic church, this beautiful bride of Christ, this adorned entity, the body of Christ, we are a testimony to beings in the spiritual, spiritual realm that the power of God cannot be beaten and cannot be thwarted. And here, let me tell you how I know this. Because we just, we're, I don't think we're in Eastertide anymore. Are we still in Eastertide? Yeah, we are. We're still in Eastertide. I bet, I wonder if the enemy, when he saw Jesus walking up Golgotha with the cross on his back, I wonder if he thought that he had won. I wonder if the enemy, the prince of darkness, just thought that everything that he had planned and orchestrated was working as exactly as it was supposed to. But what we find out in Easter that actually the death of Jesus Christ, it was planned all along so that we could be brought into the family of God. So that Jesus Christ could die, descend into hell and be resurrected with all power and that power he gives to us. So what the enemy thought, when the enemy thought he was thwarting God's plan, actually he was participating in the master plan of God. He was participating in the plan that God had from before the world was framed to bring people together of all nations, all tribes, all creeds for generations, thousands and thousands of years to bring us together to testify to the spiritual realms, to things that are seen and unseen that our God is God. Our God is the all-wise one. Our God is full of majesty and wisdom and power and cannot be beaten no matter what it looks like. Y'all, that is us. 
We are the church of God. We are the inheritance of God. We are something to believe in. We must believe in ourselves. We must see ourselves the way God sees us. God sees us as his bride, his portion, his inheritance. He loves us. He set us aside for himself. That is who we are. Why do we need to see ourselves the way that God sees us? Plainly, it's so that we can be on mission for God. And mission for God is not just doing things for God. Mission for God also involves living an empowered and abundant life. When we see ourselves as we really are, I don't believe that we can be stopped. When we understand that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is available to us, God gives it to us freely. We could be unstoppable. We won't be able to carry on the way that we normally do when we understand who we are, y'all. We need to believe in us. Indifference is dangerous. You might be like, I I know the church is a thing. Yes, I like it. These are my brothers and sisters in Christ. Cool, cool. And I just feel like I want to warn us against not believing in the church, not expecting the best from the church. I want to warn us against that because when we become indifferent, other voices could come in and begin to give us opinions. So you see, what I've seen over the past several weeks, even with um, living in the age of coronavirus like we're living in, the church has been painted as foolish Numbskulls, bigoted, racist, unintelligent. The world has been telling us that's what the church is. And if we don't have the right idea about who we are, we become convinced that that's what's true. We hear the testimony of the world and we say, yeah, the church ain't really about much. I love Jesus. I don't fool with Christians. But no, do not, don't engage in that line of thinking Because God, the absolutely righteous and holy one, the only one who is able to rightly judge anyway, if he looks at us and loves us, if he looks at us and he looked at us and died for us, he was raised to life for us and he has a holy inheritance set aside for us. If he can look at us and do all that, then we surely should see ourselves and be gracious with ourselves. But when we become indifferent, we allow, uh, we begin focusing on the blemishes We begin focusing on the uncomely parts and the church, she becomes more and more grotesque to us. We begin to despise her and y'all, that is a tool of the enemy. We become divided within ourselves and we cannot accomplish the mission of God on the earth fully when we are operating divided against ourselves. When we despise the bride of Christ, when we despise the inheritance of Christ. And I'm not saying we can't bring correction to the church. I'm not saying we can't love each other and speak the truth in love. And I'm not saying that we can't do that. But I'm saying we need to love ourselves, see ourselves, see the church the way God sees us. Y'all, the end, uh, verse 23 In Ephesians chapter one, it says that we are the fullness of him who fills all things. 
Can you imagine the one who fills all things? We are the fullness of him. He's allowed for there not to be that separation. We fill him who fills all things, y'all. When we know who we are, when we know whose we are, when we know how glorious and powerful we are, we can move forward. But when we don't recognize the beauty and the majesty of the church, when we don't believe in ourselves, when we, when we don't believe in the church, when we begin to despise the church, we are joining ourselves with the work of frustrating God's master plan. So the question I leave with us today is, how would our lives be different if we lived like we believed in the church? How would our lives be, how would our house be different? How would we give differently? How would we support differently? How would we love our neighbors differently? If we believed in the church, if we believed in the work that God has called us to do, if we believe that we are loved and treasured by God, how would our lives look different? And then a step wider, how would our city look different if we believed in the church? How would we cooperate with other brothers and sisters in Christ? How would we work together to build up the kingdom of God and not build up our own agendas? How would the world change if the church would see itself for the beautiful jewel that it is? The gates of hell would not be able to prevail against us. My prayer for us is that our thinking about the church changes and shifts under the guidance and the leadership of the Holy Spirit, that we allow the Holy Spirit to change our hearts about the church. And I know some of us have a real struggle with the church. It's real, honey, I know it, I've been there. It's very real. But I just pray that we would allow the Holy Spirit to show us bit by bit, inch by inch, centimeter by centimeter, the great love, the great and abiding love God has for the church. There's a saying, if you think you can or you think you can't, you're usually right. So my challenge for us is to believe in the church and believe that she can be what God has called her to be. And if we all change that in our thinking just a little bit, I believe we'll be able to see the power of God at work through the church like we've not seen it before. That's my prayer for us. God, you are forever glorified. You are forever enthroned in power and in wisdom and in majesty and in might. The kingdom is yours forever and ever. It always has been and it always will be. We love you, God. Thank you for the love that you give to us, the love that you give to your church, the, what you've entrusted to the church. God, I thank you. I thank you for the beauty that the church has. God, I pray that you would soften our hearts, God. And when, when we hear your voice speaking to us, we would not harden our hearts against you, God. God, I pray that we would be gracious with the church. God, I pray that we would not focus on her blemishes, God, but that we would see that she is made righteous by the power of God, that the church is a holy temple raised up to be a temple of the Holy Spirit. We love you, Lord. We believe all, thing, all these things with hearts full of faith. In Christ's name, amen.